Hey, Ryden, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. You know that he died on the cross for you? And do you promise to serve him all the days of your life? Yes. Amen. Right hand over your nose if you'd like. We baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ah, you just gotta love baptisms, church. I was so honored to baptize Ryden on that particular day. His parents are awesome. They serve in our worship ministry, and uh, we are just so grateful for what God is doing in our midst these days. Merry Christmas to you. I pray that you are having a great Christmas season. I, I pray that you're getting into the spirit. I know that it's crazy out there, and it's only going to get crazier, and I hope and pray that the peace of Christ is yours this Christmas season. Hey, today I am in Phoenix, Arizona, and I am uh, burying my good friend, my mentor, uh, my pastor, Dell Galloway. No one has developed me and poured into me more than Dell Galloway. He was the leader who founded the great New Hope Church in Portland, Oregon back in the 70s. He was the pioneer who ushered into uh, the church experience in the 70s, the whole small group model. I know that's hard to imagine, but that was Dale Galloway back in the day. And then he was the dean of the Beeson Pastor Program up in Kentucky at Asbury Theological Seminary, where he just poured into me. We have stayed in touch with each other over the years, and I'm good friends with his wife, Margie. And I'm just so honored today to uh, share at his funeral. And I ask that you pray for me uh, at 3 p.m. today. I will be trying to celebrate the gospel, honor Pastor Dale, and also represent all the Beeson pastors who have come through that Beeson pastor program for 10 years. So I covet your prayers. Hey, at this point in time, I want to encourage those of you who sow into the ministry of this church or those of you who desire to, I want to encourage you with the giving time today as we think about how we bring to the Lord His tithes and our offerings. And isn't it interesting that we just baptized little Ryden? You know, the truth is we give to the Lord because God is using our resources to advance his kingdom around the world. We give to the Lord because God instructs us clearly in his word to honor him with the biblical tithe. And we give to the Lord because God is a giver. Let me explain what I mean. In Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, the word of the Lord says this, great couple of verses. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. But I want to hunker in on this part of the verse where it says she gave birth. Now, we men can't fully understand that, but she gave gave birth. She gave birth because God gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. In fact, we know that John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. And so when we give, we are like God. We are, we are taking on the characteristics and the attributes 
of God. There's all kinds of ways to give in the life and ministry of this church. You'll see the options now before you. You can text the number. You can go online. You can use our black boxes. But I want to share with you this incredible stat that I just received from our finance department this week. 92.6% of those of you who give to the ministry of this church now give electronically. Church, that is amazing. The, the national average is anywhere between 65 and 72%, and we are at 92.6%. Of those of you who give, the 92.6% who give electronically, 50% of you give like I give and like the staff give and so many people give. 50% of the givers give by reoccurring giving. We figure up our tithe, we go online, we, we fill it all out, and we simply click a button, reoccurring, and it just happens every single month. And we can know and rest in the fact that we are being faithful to Almighty God with our finances. Let me just encourage you during this time of the year to be generous with the Lord. You know, last week we talked about spend less. In just a moment, we're going to hear a great message on give more. And it is no coincidence that those who give in life, those who learn to practice generosity, are the most fulfilled, joy-filled people on the planet. In fact, maybe you've heard this quote before, but we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And so I just want to encourage you as we get towards the end of the year, it's a great opportunity to give a gift to the church. It's a great opportunity to give that to the church as opposed to giving it to Uncle Sam. That's why we call it end of the year giving. And I would just encourage you to do that. And we can just continue to pray that God will use us for his glory around the world. Hey, today, our executive pastor, Reese Whitehead, is going to bring the word today. Uh, it's going to be good. Uh, Reese is a great biblical teacher, and so you are in for a treat today. So come on, New Hope. You know how we roll around here. We give honor. So would you help me, all the way from Phoenix, welcome Pastor Reese Whitehead to the stage today. Here we go. <laughs> Well, thank you. You can go ahead and take your seats. That was very kind. <laughs> Those of you online, no one stood up, okay? So, well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. You know, we're in this series uh, called Outside the Box. We've been looking at what it means for us to take on attributes in our life in this Advent season that is countercultural, that's following the way of Jesus. Last week, we looked at spending less. Today, we're looking at giving more. It's interesting, at this time of year, often we sense God nudging us towards more generosity. Maybe that's because it's this time of year that's an annual reminder from God to us that he made our problem his problem and sent his own son, Jesus, to be our Messiah, to take away the sins of the world. And so as we respond to this annual reminder, we get signs from God to be a people who are more generous. So in our time remaining, I wanna do kind of three movements. I wanna share a short story from Scripture about giving. 
I want to have a look at the aspect of the Christmas story that maybe could put a different kind of twist on it. And then I want to thread this talk with the power of signs in our lives. We, we look for signs to direct and to guide us. Signs are important how we interpret them and how we respond to them. I remember when I had moved from Illinois to North Carolina and I needed to transfer, transfer my driver's license. And I thought this would be a pretty basic, easy peasy kind of thing, go into the DMV and sign some stuff and <laughs> they would just transfer over my Illinois to North Carolina. Not so. Uh, there are 12 signs, 12 road signs without any words on them that you have to identify in order to pass. And uh, I went ahead and got four of the 12 wrong. This is the first one I got wrong. So I said, uh, truck caution, uh, truck use power brakes, uh, steep decline. Uh, the answer was this. I have some ideas of North Carolina roads, how you could just call it a hill, right? So I got, a, I got another uh, two more wrong, and then this was the last one I got wrong. So this one comes up, okay, signs without words on them, right? Well, I knew this one. I was, oh, yes, 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 yes. So I said, no overtaking. She said, no. I said, it's no overtaking. You, you, double, you know, yellow line, you, you can't overtake. And she says, no, it's no passing. <laughs> but at this point, there was a little chink in her armor. She said to me, where are you from? <laughs> so I dropped the U, exchanged the I for a Y, and I said, Australia. <laughs> she said, look at the, relo uh, the red dot on the camera. Do you want to be an organ donor? And that's how I got a North Carolina driver's license, <laughs> right? <laughs> how we interpret and respond to signs is really important. If you're a student here and you get an A on your report card, it's a sign that you have understood and grasped the subject matter. If you get a C minus, hey, it's maybe an indicator, a sign that you need to study a little more on that subject. If you get an F, it's a sign not to show your parents this report card. <laughs> it's important how we respond to signs. I remember in my early 20s, uh, there was a particular sign that would change my life forever. I was living in Adelaide, Australia, has a beautiful marina. I drove down there after work, and, and I had a, an idea, but I, I needed a sign from God for this idea. I got to the marina and, and my idea was to find a, a big sailboat. And uh, so I, I pulled up and I, I walked down uh, the boardwalk and, and then down to the water level and there was a beautiful yacht. And so I just kind of stood and, and yelled out and the captain came up from below deck and he welcomed me aboard. And I shared this idea with him. And as I'm sharing it, uh, his wife comes up from below deck and she says, we're in. And I said, really? She said, absolutely. I said, that's fantastic. And so I got back up onto the boardwalk and I walked to the end of the marina, the end of the boardwalk, and there's this beautiful restaurant. And I went in there, I asked for the manager 
And this lady came up to me and she said, I'm the owner, can I help you? And I said, I have this idea. And she said, let's go upstairs. And upstairs was a floor-to-ceiling windows with 270-degree view of the ocean all the way to the marina. Like, this will work. This is fantastic. So I uh, spoke to my girlfriend and I said, hey, my dad's 50th birthday in a couple of weeks. Let's get both families together and, and have a nice dinner. And so here we are sitting at this table right against the glass, 270 degree view. It's just beautiful having dinner with both of our families. And I get a fake phone call that I have to leave the table. I run downstairs, I change into a tuxedo, I grab a dozen red roses and I jump on the yacht and we sail the yacht around in front of this restaurant. My heart was beating out of my chest. I was so nervous. You see, it was a beautiful summer night and there was about 500 people that were in restaurants, who were on balconies, who were hanging out and everyone was watching this moment. And I say to the captain, go ahead and, and, and hoist the sign. A couple of weeks ago, I was in my crawl space and I found this sign when I was getting the Christmas decorated. It's over 20 years old and, and we put it up on the playground and so I can show you this picture. And so there I am on the yacht. I can see hundreds of people looking at me in this moment and I got down on my knee and I, I called my girlfriend. I said, Nikki, will you, I mean, <laughs> Steph. <laughs> hey, it was the second proposal I'd done that week, okay, right? So, Steph, will you marry me? Well, I don't know if you've seen any of like the, the TikToks where people make really public proposals and the woman runs off and <laughs> leaves the guy stranded there and you're just like, oh, I feel the pain. In that moment, how Steph responded to that sign really, really mattered. And it's at this time of year that God is active, even sometimes overactive in our lives for us to see signs from heaven. There's something about this time of year that I think the God who loves us just adores us stopping and spending this season to give more, to follow his example to be the, the most generous. He, he gave the greatest gift recorded in human history when he gave his son. And, and he loves it when us, his people, emulate his character. When, when we choose to be people who give, to respond to signs from heaven that he would call us to give. Now, sometimes it's not a 20-foot banner but it's, it's, a, it's a feeling inside. It's a, it's a nudge or a, a tap on the shoulder from God. And he's inviting us into his movements. Whether we acknowledge it or not, he's often prompting us to be more generous at this time of year, to experience what it means to be givers, to be people who step forward and give more. Maybe it's this time of year that is this annual reminder that the world is not as he intended it to be. 
and he's constantly giving us signs that are inviting us into his movement and his way. When we receive a sign from heaven, we're, we're, we're moved. We're, we're moved to give to a struggling family. Or we're, we're moved to give to a single mum at Christmas. We're, we're moved to be faithful with our, our end of year tithe check. We're, we're moved to do something sacrificial in our lives. And sometimes we find ourselves wondering, well, was that really a sign from heaven? Has God got my back on this? Will God see and, and honour this act of giving? Will he resupply or did I maybe like see it differently? I, I, I got it wrong, it wasn't God and if I give, I'll be without. Tiana Spencer said it like this last week, a, a mindset of scarcity will make you a hoarder of all things but a mindset of generosity will make you a recipient of his everything. How you approach this question this Christmas around your personal generosity, how you wrestle your decision to have open hands and to give more. As we find in Philippians 4.19, it tells us, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. But I want to acknowledge that some of us are earlier in our spiritual journeys. And understandably, we, we struggle with this aspect that followers of Jesus are to lead the way with generosity. We, 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 we kind of struggle with this idea that we had to give more because we are following Jesus' way. And the reason for that is totally understandable. You, you, you haven't experienced or, or had the history of God over the course of time resupplying, blessing your giving. And so if that's you this morning, if you haven't had a whole lot of experience with giving beyond your budget, going above and beyond what you're comfortable with, then I wanna encourage you with a story recorded in 1 Kings 17, starting in verse seven. The background of the story is there's a couple of characters, one a prophet, Elijah, and God is speaking to him. He's on mission and he's hungry. And the other character is a widow that God has tapped on the shoulder to give more. So listen to this, this, verse seven. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. 
Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. How we respond to God's signs matters. Listen to this response. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jug but for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. The jar of flour did not run out. The, the, the jug of oil did not run dry. Captured in this short story is how we get over the generosity hump. You see, if... God promises to resupply, why would we not give? Look for the signs from heaven and obey them. If this Christmas you choose to give more, you'll experience your flower jar and your oil jug not running out. It's a promise from Scripture. God will supply and resupply. If that's the promise, why would we not be generous? However, some of you may be sitting here and if you were to be really honest, you'd say, I probably have an unhealthy relationship with money and I actually feel it most at this time of the year. I I, I feel my attachment to my stuff I feel an attachment to my money more at Christmas than any other time. I I feel this opposition to be generous at Christmas and it's probably because I've got an unhealthy relationship with my stuff. It gets in the way of who God's calling me to be. You can't give more and be invited into new generosity flow that God wants to do in your life if money is your source of identity. This is not said with your mouth, but it's said with your pocketbook, your debit card, your Apple Pay, who we are in responding to the signs from heaven. John says it like this in John 12, 25, he states, those those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Every time, Every time we give, it reveals something of the giver's heart. I know a guy who got into hot water with his wife. They had a a bad argument, and upon reflection, he realized that he was 100% in the wrong. All the wives say amen. (laughs) As he contemplated his apology, he thought it was appropriate that he would accompany that apology with some flowers. So after work, he was on his way to the florist when he thought there may have been a sign from heaven. On the side of the road, a man was selling cheap flowers. So he slammed on his brakes and pulled over and bought some cheap flowers. 
made his way home and he found his wife in the kitchen and he came and presented his apology and the flowers and she was clearly moved and forgave him immediately. And there was a moment where the husband started to question the idea of buying cheap flowers. You see, as the wife took the flowers and she opened the cabinet to get a vase to put the flowers in, she noticed paint on her hand. And she looked back at the flowers and she said, what florist did you get this from? And the husband said, oh, I don't know that you'd know the name of the place. You know? <laughs> she said, because they've been touched up with spray paint. And in that moment, the husband understood he unintentionally sent a message to his wife of the value of his gift. His value of the gift was, here's my apologies with some spray-painted flowers. Now, who of us have experienced at times of Christmas when the Holy Spirit nudges us towards generosity and, and we throw God a few dollars? We, we penny pinch and we give some leftovers and it's like we're giving to God some spray-painted flowers. God knows the heart of the giver. The heart in which we give is really, really important. It really matters. There's opportunity for us when we're, we're nudged by the Holy Spirit to give, that we give in such a way that we know that the God who loves us, who is so gracious and so generous, that when we give a gift, we give a gift in such a way that that God sees us and is pleased with our worshipful offering to Him because He's worthy. And we wanna give to Him as He invites us into His kingdom work around this Christmas time. He sees our heart as we give how we respond to signs from God to be generous really, really matters. How we respond to signs really matters. In fact, the first Christmas began with a sign, a sign given to some shepherds that Luke records. In verse eight, it says that night there were shepherds staying in their fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognise him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, laying in a manger. It seems that God prepared a specific sign for a specific group of people. These shepherds saw something that night that was very specific to them. Have you ever wondered why these shepherds would see a, ba a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth lying in a manger as a sign? Why was that a sign to these shepherds? The answer of that is not in the text, but it's in the context. It's in the background. Let me tell you a little something 
about first century Bethlehem. You see, on the outskirts of Bethlehem, there was a shepherding community called the Tower of the Flock, or in Hebrew, the Migdal Ada. The Migdal Ada literally translates the Tower of the Flock. In this time, in the first century, there was a special place where shepherds raised hundreds of lambs for a very specific purpose. These lambs were specially bred for the Jewish ritual of sacrifice in the temple. Some historians believe that in Luke 2, these shepherds were the shepherds of the temple. And they had been trained specifically to raise these lambs at the tower of the flock. These were no ordinary shepherds. These were shepherds with a very, very specific task to raise unblemished lambs for sacrifice so people could be at peace with God. Verse 12, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth lying in a manger. Now here's where it gets really interesting. Part of the job, part of the role of these shepherds of the Migdal Ada was to make sure that none of these lambs were hurt or harmed in any way. During lambing season, the sheep would come in from the fields. The lower level would function as a birthing room for these lambs. Once birthed, these priestly shepherds would routinely place the male lambs in a cove cut in the limestone rock that was called a manger. And they wrapped these newborn lambs in swaddling cloth that would prevent these lambs thrashing around and harming themselves. Once the lambs had settled down, they would remove the cloth to inspect if these lambs were indeed without blemish and worthy of being sacrificed. Now, can you imagine what these shepherds saw when they came upon the scene that the angel had described? What they saw was a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth like a lamb laying in a manger. From the very moment of the birth of Jesus, the foreshadow of the gospel was a sign. A sign to these shepherds from the very beginning, the purpose and the destiny of this baby was a sign. These shepherds saw Jesus, the spotless lamb who has come to take away the sin of the world so that people could be at peace with God. What these shepherds saw. Throughout this Advent season, I've been listening to a song that was recently written about these shepherds, the shepherds of the Migdal Ada. The shepherds, the tower of the flock, it's about the way these shepherds raised these particular lambs for the Jewish ritual of the sacrifice. It's about these shepherds and how they came across a sign They were able to recognise and to respond in worship to the sign that the angel had given that the Christ child, that this baby was born to take away the sin of the world. And so now I wanna invite you to enjoy the truth of this song as Sharice and the worship team sing this over you And you can be in awe of the sign to us from heaven that Jesus has come.
It's an astounding song, buried deep in the truth of Scripture. The magnificent gift of Jesus to us at Christmas. The invitation from God that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the signs that He would be giving to us. He is active. He is at work inviting us constantly into His activities, inviting us in to see His glory, to see His generosity, to see His grace and His mercy poured out in His Son, Jesus, that we may have our sins removed and be found at peace with our God. We've seen many signs in 2021 around our church. Many lives have been changed because they've responded to a sign from God. We've seen both young and old be baptised and, and see a sign from God to respond and go public with their faith, to have their lives turned around and, and to give a sign publicly that Jesus has freshly moved and changed their lives. I know a lady who said her life and her family was a mess when a friend invited her to this church. She said it was a sign, a sign that God was giving me that He had not given up on me. And she said the more she got involved at New Hope, the more things started to fall in place in her life. We've seen people sense a sign in our faith community here to open up their homes to foster care and to adoption. We've seen a sign of people who felt trapped and, and isolated because of the pandemic. People who have had past abuse or failed marriage that through our care courses 
our mid-size and life groups that they saw a sign that they're not alone. They were invited into community and people found relationships that they could trust and, and love. This year, we've seen people who were hurt by the church that haven't been in Christian community for years, but they saw a sign and slowly they entered the doors of New Hope. And it's been a place of healing and of discovering rich Christian spiritual friendships again. This year, we've had some non-religious, non-churchy people reluctantly coming to our church bought by friends. Surprisingly, many of these saw a sign of God's acceptance, not His condemnation, that His gift of Jesus, that could be the one who takes away their wrongdoings. We've seen over 270 of these people see a sign and surrender their life to Jesus Christ in 2021 around New Hope. This year, we've seen people who don't usually come to church be in a church environment and maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're tuning in online and you don't normally, but you are this morning. I wanna propose that God is giving you a sign. If you are here this morning, in this Christian environment that God could be giving you a sign. Maybe this year has not been easy for you. Perhaps it's been full of loss and disappointment and pain. Maybe it's possible that God is giving you a sign this Christmas season that change is on your horizon, that hope is breaking through that an opportunity for a relationship with your Creator is at hand, that He has made a way that you can find hope again in your life. And that hope is found in our Saviour, the Messiah, Jesus, the one who is given for us at Christmas. I wanna say one more thing and I'll pray and we'll be done. But I, I wanna speak very personally to the person who is sitting in your seat. See, I, I wonder when we opened up this theme today of give more, like you just felt a, a, a punch in your guts. It's like, oh, if the preacher only knew. You're listening to me speak about a sign and you're saying, I just want a sign from heaven that like some financial resources would come my way. Maybe you're, you're listening to me and for all kinds of different reasons, 2021 has been a really hard financial struggle for you. Maybe some of you are, are fighting paycheck to paycheck and circumstances have just meant that this year, Resources just have not come your way. And it's hard for you to hear a message that has an invitation to give more. You're in a position of feeling like that widow in 1 Kings 17. You know what, Reese? I got a handful of flour and a couple of drips of olive oil. 
And do you want to stand in front of me and say, give more? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because listen to this truth. It's not the size of your gift, but the size of your faith to give the gift that matters to God. I might have waited to the end of my talk to give you something that was tweeter worthy. (laughs) Post that. Not on social media, but in your heart. Not the size of your gift. You see, our culture is constantly ingraining us that it's all about the size of the gift that matters. It's the size of our faith to give the gift. You see, the widow had a handful of flour and some drops of olive oil. And she was used mightily by God. And and because she responded to God's nudging, to God's prompting, to the Holy Spirit's tap on her shoulder, she experienced that the windows of heaven flung open and the blessing poured down onto her life where her flower jar never ran out. Her olive oil jug poured over because God was not only faithful to supply her needs, but to resupply. So I'm, I'm talking to all of us, no matter what your financial status this morning, Because to the one who has a storehouse of flour and a stock room of olive oil, the same is true. It's the size of your faith to give this Christmas season that matters to God. And to those of us who have a handful of flour and a couple of drips of olive oil, it's still the same truth. The size of your faith to give and to be invited in to the truth that Christmas is a miracle. The most generous, gracious God sent Jesus, the sacrificial lamb that would take away the sin of the world. Amen. Would you stand with me for prayer? So God in heaven, it's moments like this where we can reflect and have a, 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 an internal inventory check of our own lives and say, God, do we have an, an unhealthy relationship with money, an unhealthy relationship with our stuff? And so when you give us a sign to give more, it feels like a clash with a value system in our hearts. So humbly, God, we say, would you continue to give us signs Speak to us and lead us. To those of us, would you give a specific sign that would cause us to have our eyes open to your voice, to hearing it, to seeing it, to acknowledging it? Because God, we know how we respond to your signs really matters. Father, I pray for the person this morning who is to come back home wants to recommit their relationship with you. Father, I pray that they would respond to the sign of your grace this morning. 
Give them courage to respond to the sign at this Christmas season. May we give more. May we give more and we'll experience you resupplying our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen.